Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Good morning. Praise the Lord. It's such a good time to be here with everyone. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So we're ready for worship time, and we just pray that you will have a good time in the Lord. I pray that everyone right now will stand, if you're able, and turn to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. And in Psalm 31, verse 1 reads, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. And down to verse 21. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints. For the Lord preserves the faithful and fully prepares, repairs the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. I just read for you Psalm number 31, verses 1, and then verses 21 through 24. May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his most holy word. Amen. To God be the glory. Bless you. Praise the Lord, family. I said, praise the Lord, family. We have come into his house. We have gathered in his name to worship him. Come on and give God some praise. What a blessing, what a blessing, what a blessing. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord again. For those of you who are watching via Facebook or YouTube or listening to the podcast. We thank God for your presence today. We pray something will be said and done that would encourage your hearts as we go before the Lord today to worship and to honor him. To those of you who've gathered in this place, to the preachers, to our musicians, our praise team members, our fellow members in the kingdom, our family. We've got visitors here with us today and we're honored that you have taken time out to come and to darken the doors of the house of prayer once again. We give God praise and honor for you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. What a blessing it is to see another week. And specifically because we are drawing closer to reopening the doors of the church. Amen. What a blessing. We thank God for how he has kept us, protected us, and sustained us this last year. And now as the numbers have continued to drop, we have an opportunity to come back together going to have limited numbers. We're asking that you follow the protocol that has been set forth and that will continue to be reiterated in the days and the weeks to come. But we're thankful that we're going to be able to come back together. And I just appreciate so much the membership and the leadership of this great church. God has blessed us beyond measure. There are many churches that were unable to sustain themselves this past year. 
But God has blessed us even beyond our wildest imagination that we've been able to continue to do ministry, that we have been financially sound and secure. And now it's time for us to get back to doing things together as a family unit in the kingdom. So we're excited about what God is doing, what he has done, and that which is to come. Amen. We ask that you continue to pray. There'll be more information that will be forthcoming. Also, I just want to remind you, on next Sunday, we'll be at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church in the great city of Wilmington, celebrating the two-year anniversary of my brother, my friend, Pastor D.K. Williams. With that, let us prepare our hearts and minds to go before the Lord. First and foremost, I want to read the names of those who are sick and shut in. We're asking that you continue to pray. We have several people who are going through some trying times physically. And we're asking that you all continue to keep their names before the Lord. We're praying for Sister Deaconess, Deaconess Faith Cantee. We're praying for Mother Dorothea Daniels. We're praying for Sister Kathy King. Praying for Sister Evelyn Mitchell. Praying for Brother James Ridgeway. And we're praying for Sister Caritha Williamson. Had her first chemo treatment this past week. We're asking that you all keep her and her daughters in prayer. And then we're also continuing to pray for Reverend Baron Canty and his family uh, on the bereaved list as he lost his sister uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, we're asking that you all continue to lift that family in prayer. And all of those who are struggling at this time uh, with the loss of a loved one, we're still praying for Mother Hall. We're still praying for Sister Valerie Briggs. We're still praying for Mother Otterberry. Sister Sarah Gordon-Williams, all of those who have struggled in the past months, still praying for the family of Mother Clemens, amen, all of those who have struggled. We're asking that you all continue to call their names before the Lord. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, how we bless and praise and thank thee for your blessings upon us, God, that you have spared us one more time that we are still here in the land of the living. That for whatever reason, Lord God, you saw fit to protect us and to watch over us, to continue to have warm blood flowing through our veins and oxygen in our lungs. God, we thank you that we have use of our extremities today, that we're able to think and reason with a reasonable portion of health, that we have sound mind today. And now, God, we call upon the names of those who are sick and shut in that we are aware of, those who are dealing with illnesses and ailments, those who lay on beds of affliction. Touch them even now, God, if it be your will. We pray that you would raise them from their situations, their conditions, Lord God. Strengthen their bodies if it be your will. Send them forth as a living testimony to the healing power of our Lord and our Savior. Now, God, we pray that you would touch the hearts and the minds of the bereaved. We pray, Lord God, that you would provide comfort where comfort is needed, strength where strength is needed, that you would lift up bowed down heads, that you would wipe the tears from their eyes. Remind them that weeping endureth for a night, but joy cometh in 
the morning. Now, God, we pray for the kingdom at large, every church that's opened in your name, every preacher, pastor, Lord God, who preaches the unadulterated, untainted word of God, every church body, Lord God, who loves you and loves people and are trying to be good disciples of Christ Jesus, our Savior, touch them right now, Lord God. Pray that you continue to bless and keep, lead, direct, and guide us as only you can. We ask a special blessing upon Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church. God, how thankful we are that you have gathered this body of believers together at a time such as this. We thank you, Lord God, that it is by the blood of Christ our Savior that you have kept us together. And now, God, as we're preparing ourselves, if it be your will, to come back into the house, to these holy grounds, this sacred place, in order that we might continue to lift up the name of Jesus. God, we ask for protection and guidance. We ask, Lord God, that you would prick our minds, that we would do those things which are pleasing in thy sight. And when it's all said and done, Lord God, whether we're together on one accord, or whether we're still isolated and separated from one another, God will give you praise, will give you honor, and will give you glory. Now, God, have your way today. Speak from heaven. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. We pray that you set the preacher down. Stand your word up on the pedestal of my personality. Let your word go forth boldly and clearly that, Father God, you would be glorified. Christ Jesus, our Savior, he would be magnified by the unction and the conviction and the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. Your people would be edified. We ask these and all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Let all the people of God say, amen, amen, and amen. Come on and give God some praise. Come on and give God some glory. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. God bless you. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles and stand with us. We ask that you would draw your attention to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 22. The Gospel according to Luke chapter 22 beginning at verse 31, these words are recorded there. I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible, and it reads as follows. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Verse 34, Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you 
know me. From those verses, specifically verse 31 and 32, as we continue with the series, how to avoid setbacks on your journey. Today, we discuss avoiding the setback of overconfidence. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. How to avoid setbacks on your journey. Today, the setback of overconfidence. Here in the annals and archives of time, we find this story that has accosted the curiosity of God's people, but also breaks the heart of anyone who has proclaimed a commitment to God and found yourself straddling the fence between sanctity and shame. A very overconfident Peter assures the Lord Jesus Christ of his courage, of his dedication, of his love, his loyalty, and even his willingness to suffer for his Savior, no matter what the cost may be even if it means being locked up and having to do time behind bars. Or dare I say, perhaps making the ultimate sacrifice of dying for the benefit, for the ministry, and for the fellowship of being with Jesus. Peter is dead serious when he expresses to Jesus and his fellow comrades the sentiment of his heart. This is not hyperbole. This is not exaggeration. This is not embellishment. Peter is not joking around or trying to draw attention to himself. And contrary to many theologians who have studied and analyzed this story, I have a hard time of categorizing Peter as one who is operating and motivated by pride. Because I believe that there is a certain sincerity, that there is a certain earnestness and a certain seriousness to the words in which he speaks before the Lord. This is verified and validated by Peter's behavior on the night that Christ was arrested. In the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Mark, and in the Gospel of Luke, we see that this story is recorded when Jesus was arrested on that night. The Bible tells us in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke that there was a disciple that was with Jesus. And when they came to arrest him, this disciple reached in his pocket and pulled out a box cutter. And the Bible tells us he cut off the ear of a soldier by the name of Malchus. If it were not for snitching 
King John, in John chapter 18, verse 10, the district attorney could have never bought charges against Peter because Matthew, Mark, and Luke never tells us who the disciple was, but John tells us it was Peter, it was Peter. That means that that which Peter says he was serious about, he would have never gotten physical when they arrested Christ if he were not serious about following and adhering to the commands and the demands of his Savior. However, in this story, no sooner than Peter concludes his proclamation, Jesus shares with him the revelation which is to come, that within the next few hours, Peter would deny him not once, not twice, but three times, Jesus issues unto Peter a devastating forecast of his future failure. And I don't know if you've ever failed before, if you've ever missed the mark, but what a blessing it would be if Jesus handed me a warning that I was traveling down the wrong road. He gives Peter a message in order to let him know that Peter just up the road, just around the bend, just on the other side of the lake, Peter, you're going to have and run into an issue that I want you to be emotionally and mentally and spiritually prepared for. Last week, family, we began this new series entitled Avoiding Setbacks on Your Journey. Don't forget that the setback is a snare. It is an enticement. It is a trap that keeps you from fulfilling the purpose and the plan in which God has in your life. It is not an indication or a reflection of your salvation, but it means that there are moments in your walk and moments in your journey that you give in to the carnality, the fleshliness, the worldliness of the old nature. God has a desire that we would walk in power and in strength and in might and setbacks keep us from getting to where God would have us to be. It does not mean that you will not ultimately get there, but if the truth be told, some of us have had to go through some stuff along the way that God never intended for you to experience. Is there anybody who was watching online? Is there anybody who was in the church today that would be honest enough to say, I had some detours. I had some situations that took me off track. I should have been at my location five years ago. I should have been where God told me six months ago. But the fact of the matter is my car did not break down. The fact is the GPS had me going in the right direction. But I determined within myself that I was going to allow the enemy to catch me up in a snare, in an enticement, and in a trap. Now I'm experiencing the setback 
back on my journey. If we're going, family, to avoid setbacks along the way, you have to avoid the setback of overconfidence. Peter was a good man. Peter was a good brother. Peter was the spokesman for the disciples. But Peter struggled on this night because he had been in church so long. <laughs> Somebody say amen. He, he was over confident because he had a regular seat in the church. He was, he was over confident because his mama and his grandmama and his granddaddy bought the stained glass windows to the church and donated a pew to the church. Peter was overconfident. So the question becomes, family, how do we avoid the setback of overconfidence? Peter provides us, this story provides us, Jesus provides us with some things that we cannot underemphasize, that we cannot underrate, that we cannot undervalue, and that we cannot underestimate. Peter was impulsive, he was impetuous. And it got him in a difficult and challenging setback. Then what is it, Pastor, that we have to be mindful of, thoughtful about? What is it that we cannot allow ourselves to underestimate? The Bible says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. The first thing, if you're going to try to avoid overconfidence, is don't underestimate the facts of the situation. Don't over or underestimate the facts of the situation. As we begin, we find that Jesus is repeating Simon Peter's name twice. Whenever this occurs in the word of God, the Lord is trying to get the attention of the person he is addressing. In the Old Testament, Moses, Moses. In the New Testament, Martha, Martha. In the New Testament, Simon, Simon. In the book of Acts, it is Saul, Saul. He is trying to get the attention of the individual and he is saying, listen up and pay attention. It is an expression of love and concern, but it also can mean a warning that something is coming your way. Jesus warns people Peter and the disciples of a satanic attack that is coming from Satan himself. The Bible says Satan has demanded, some of your Bibles will say, has
has desired to have you. Interestingly enough, family, the word you is plural. It is not singular in this statement, which is an indication that Satan is not just demanding to have Peter. He is demanding to have all of the disciples. This is not just an attack against the apostle Peter. The fact that he wanted to attack the other disciples ought to be a warning to all the people of God. It makes no difference what auxiliary you're in. It makes no difference how long you've been in the church. The fact of the matter is you are a disciple of Jesus. If you have confessed with your mouth, if you have believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, that means you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You may not know all of the nuances of what a disciple ought to do, but the fact of the matter is you are confessing, you are professing that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that once he was placed in a borrowed tomb that three days later he got up with all power in his hands and that because of the sacrifice of the Savior the Holy Spirit was poured out from heaven and it fills the body of God's people. Is there anybody in the house that can profess and proclaim that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm one of his. I belong to him. Don't think about what my last name is. Just remind yourself as I remind myself that you've been washed in the blood of the lamb and you ought to be glad about it. That means you're a disciple. That means you're a disciple. Point to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. You're a disciple. You're a disciple. You're a disciple. You're a disciple because we believe in Jesus. Satan, the rascal that he is, demanded from Jesus to have Peter and the other disciples. The word demand in the Greek means to beg for oneself, to ask something be given to one from the power and the authority of another. Satan, in other words, family, is asking permission of Jesus to have the disciples. He believes in his limited wisdom, in his limited understanding that the disciples are propagating fallacies of being committed to God, that perhaps they are not as serious about their proclaim loyalty to Jesus. But this word demand also means to claim back that which once belonged to you. Listen to me well. In other words, Peter and these other disciples and you and I at once upon a time 
time belonged to Satan. We have not always been saved. In other words, Satan is saying, Jesus, just give me back what used to be mine, what used to belong to me. Don't underestimate the facts of the situation. We used to be the property and the possession of the enemy. And it's important, family, that we know, that we understand that he wants us back. He demanded to have his property returned unto him. Don't you know you ain't always been in church? Don't you know you ain't always been in the choir? Don't you know you ain't always been in the pulpit? Don't you know you ain't always been on the usher board? Don't you know you ain't always been a Sunday school teacher? Don't you know you ain't always been a deacon or a deaconess? Don't you know you ain't always been a musician? Don't you know you ain't always been a pastor? That means that at one point in time you belonged to the enemy. But thank God that Jesus came along and hit a lick and robbed the devil of what he had, took his stuff from him face to face and man to man, player to player and hustler to hustler. Jesus said, they used to be yours, but now they belong to me. Don't you know that now you belong to the Savior? You're no longer the devil's property. Somebody else say amen. I'm glad. I said I'm glad. I said I'm glad. I no longer belong to him. Well, how do you know? Because I don't underestimate the facts of the situation. Yeah, I, I don't underestimate. I've not been saved so long that I can't have a slip up or do something foolish. I used to be his, and guess what? Some of them old ways is still in us, and we got to get up every day, like Romans chapter 7 says, and you got to fight, you got to battle, you got to make sure that the old man stays down and the new man rises up. The Bible says that if you underestimate the situation, you will forget literally what Romans chapter 3 verse 23 tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you underestimate the facts of the situation, you'll forget what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 and 12 says. Therefore, remember that one time Gentiles, you were Gentiles, you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. If you're going to avoid overconfidence, you cannot underestimate the facts of the situation. But not only can you not 
uh, underestimate the facts of the situation. Here's the other one. You cannot underestimate the fierceness of Satan. I'm amazed when I hear people inviting Satan to a fight. I hear people who think they're big enough and bad enough and bold enough to go toe-to-toe with the enemy. The Bible says he has demanded you, Simon, Simon, that he might sift you like wheat. Yes, Satan makes the demand to have Peter and the other disciples in order that he might sift them. This, of course, is an agricultural term, and it refers to the process of separating the husk of the wheat from the grain. The wheat was crushed under the foot, and then it was agitated. It was thrown up into the air in order that the wind might blow that which was the husk away, and then the grain would fall down in its place and be gathered up again because it was valuable and it was usable. Satan's desire, family, was to separate the disciples from the will, from the word, from the work of God. Satan yearned to prove to these disciples and to Jesus that the reality of their faith was less than, that it was slipping, that it was not as meaningful as serious as they proclaimed it to be. Satan believed that he could destroy the authenticity, the legitimacy, and the validity of the disciples' profession in Jesus as Lord and Savior. He had already done it to Judas, and now he believes he can do it to Peter and the other disciples. Listen, family, don't underestimate the fierceness of Satan. This guy is real. This guy is deadly. He is a killer. Peter must have thought about this situation by the time that he wrote the first epistle because the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 to be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, your opponent, your foe, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The devil is like a roaring lion that prowls around looking for people, looking for disciples to devour. Now listen, family, lions roar for several reasons. There are a variety of reasons that lions roar. One of the things that they will roar for, if they are about to attack their prey, you'll hear a lion roar. But then there is also, that is their way of communicating with one another. A lion will roar in order to declare its territory in case there are other lions coming on the scene. But Satan's desire is to control you and to control your testimony. Even though you're
you're a believer, you cannot underestimate the fierceness of Satan. If he cannot lay hold or claim of your soul, he will try to hold claim and hold of your activities and your behavior. I used to watch National Geographic and lions confused me. It was amazing to me that if lions are operating in a pride, if there are a group of lions, I would see them approach the herd. They were not approaching the herd in order to attack the herd. They were approaching the herd in order that the herd would see the lions. This confused me. I'm thinking these rascals are going to go hungry because now the antelope, now the buffalo have seen the lion. Now they're on guard. But guess what? That is one of the ploys of a pride of lions. They want the herd to begin to move. They don't want them standing still because the more the herd moves, the lions are able to identify the weak ones in the herd. It's able to identify the lame ones in the herd. It's able to identify the young ones in the herd. Well, don't you know that Satan is going around and he's roaring like a lion because he's trying to identify the lame ones in the herd. But you've got to make sure that you can stand up and be strong in the things of God. I can't pay my bills, I ain't gonna fall apart. I ain't got no friends, I'm not gonna hang my head. I'm not gonna go back to making money how I used to. I'm not gonna go back to self-medicating myself to get through the night. Devil, if you wanted me, you should have did your damage while I was out there in the world. I'm not gonna underestimate him, but Guess what? He just making noise. He just making noise. He just making noise. And you got to stand up and let them know who you belong to. I belong to God. I belong to God. I belong to God. And because I belong to God, devil, you can prowl. You can roar. You can run around and make noise. But guess what? I got a protector. I have a shepherd. He ain't scared of no lions. He ain't scared of no wolves. He ain't scared of no dogs. And he definitely ain't scared of no demons. Is there anybody that realizes that God is on your side? Peter underestimated the fierceness of Satan. P Peter underestimated the fierceness. I'm telling you, he not to be played with, but if God is on your side, the devil ain't no match for the God that we serve. Our God has all power. Our God has all authority. Our God has all might. And Satan ain't no match for Jesus. If you're going to avoid the setback of overconfidence, don't underestimate the facts of the situation. The facts are we used to belong to
to him. And he wants us back. He wants us back. He wants us back. But you ought to remind him you can't have me back. I moved on to bigger and better things. Amen. I'm in love under new management. Mickey Howard, I'm in love under new management now. When I was out there and tripping and didn't know my left from my right, my up from my down, saying you could trick me with some stuff, but now I know better. I know better. I know better. And you can no longer have access to me. Don't underestimate the facts of the suit, but also don't underestimate the fierceness of Satan. He's tenacious. And if he don't get you on a Monday, guess what? He coming back on Tuesday. And he coming back on Wednesday. He, he, he don't give you a week break or a month break or a year break, he's tenacious. He's coming back as soon as he thinks he has you in a vulnerable situation. But finally, family, if we're going to avoid, if we're going to avoid the setback of overconfidence, don't underestimate the faithfulness of the Savior. Yeah. Verse 32. If you ain't said amen all day, you all say amen right there. Somebody at home need to stand up in your living room and say, amen, amen, amen. I may have underestimated the facts of the situation. I may have underestimated the fierceness of Satan. But I tell you what, I'm not going to underestimate. I'm not going to underestimate the faithfulness of my Savior. The Bible says in verse 32, but I have prayed for you. The King James said, I prayed for thee that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Remember, family, all of the disciples are present and all of them are in the view of Satan. But the Bible tells us that we have an intercessory in Jesus. The word you in verse 31 is plural and it means that Satan wants all of the disciples. But here in verse 32, the you and or in the King James Version, the thee is singular. There is no doubt that Jesus is praying for all of his followers, for all of his disciples. But here he is speaking specifically to Peter because he knew that Peter was about to step off a cliff. This tells us of the omniscience of the God that we serve. That though Jesus was in the flesh, he still was omniscient in his deity and in his glory. That means he knows everything from the past, everything in the present, and everything in the future. It means that sin is a possibility for any of us that have accepted God as Lord and Savior of our lives. But in the midst of your foolishness, in the midst of your character flaw, isn't it good to know that we got somebody praying for us? I'm 
not just talking about anybody, but I'm talking about somebody who has access to the throne room of heaven. Somebody who knows how to get his father's attention. Jesus tells him, Peter, I want you to know I'm praying for you. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But verse 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Don't you know, family, that there are going to be some times when you miss the mark? Don't you know there are going to be some times when you drop the ball? Don't you know there will be some times when you strike out on home plate? But isn't it good to know that somebody, that someone, that the one is praying for you? He tells Peter, Peter, I'm praying for you. And in other words, it's personal. It's not a general prayer that God has for his people that is difficult as we can be and as numerous as we are. He knows each one of us by name. He knows each one of us by our circumstance and by our situation. That he's intimately interested in your individual situation and he knows you by name. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you've been this past week. I don't know what you're facing in your future. But know this, that Jesus is praying for you. That he's calling your name before his father. That he's calling that God would intervene on your behalf. That he's calling on God to make the burden easier for his people. He said, I'm praying for you. He said, I'm praying for you. If nobody else in the church is calling your name before God, please know, please make note that Jesus is praying for you, for you, for you, and for you. I don't know about you, but that stirs my spirit. There are times when I can't find my friends. There are times when I cannot count on loved ones. But Jesus, I said, Jesus, Jesus is praying for me. My Lord and my Savior is praying for me. The one who died on Calvary is praying for me. He's praying for me. He's praying for me. He's praying for me. But he says something critical. He says, Peter, I'm praying for you. But when you're recovered, he said, I want you to come back. Be a testimony to your brethren. In other words, Peter, I'm not praying that Satan will not sift you. I'm praying that the shaking up of the sifting does not call your fate to fall by the wayside to the degree that you cannot get up and keep moving forward in my name. Listen to me. 
somebody that went right over your head because you've been sitting around crying about what you didn't get done and you've been sitting around moping about what the devil convinced you to do but guess what when you're recovered strengthen your brother do you know that there are certain things that you have to go through in order to fortify and to strengthen and to build up your testimony can you imagine Peter at the prayer meeting. Can you imagine Peter at Bible study saying, yes, I remember one night. It appears that I must have lost my mind. It got foggy in my brain. And the fact of the matter is, I denied even knowing God. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. But guess what? In spite of that, when he got up, on that early Sunday morning, the Bible tells me that some women went to the grave and they were talking to an angel at the grave. And the angel said, why seek ye the living amongst the dead? Jesus got up just like he said he would. Now go into Galilee and tell his disciples. But guess what? Take this special invitation and tell Peter to meet him in Galilee as well. Guess what? That means that if God can send a special invitation to Peter, he can send a special invitation to me. He can send a special invitation to you. Has God ever called your name in the midnight hour? Has God ever lifted you from a bed of affliction when you didn't think you were going to make he was calling your name. He was calling your name. He was calling your name. You cannot underestimate the faithfulness of a Savior. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. For a brief moment, you're going to claim that you don't even know me. For a moment in time, you're going to give up on me. But I want you to know, Peter, I would never give up on you. Spite of your overconfidence, in spite of your failures, you got to know that Jesus has not given up on you. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession. Everything you did, he's already forgiven you. Every slip-up you currently are having, he's there as the devil attempts to show up and tell the God that we serve, did you see your people? <laughs> your man, your woman, did, did, you, did you see him? Did you see him lying and cheating? Did you see him sneaking around and drinking and smoking? Did you see him cursing and fighting and acting a fool? Did you see him? And God sits there. He sits there. The Father sits there on the throne with the Son at the right hand. And he listens to everything Satan says. And as soon as Satan says something, Jesus says, but. <laughs> Woo! I died for all of that and then 
son. It's covered by the blood. Don't underestimate the faithfulness of the Savior. Even when we're not faithful, he's still faithful. Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that has risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. If you're going to avoid a setback of overconfidence, you cannot, family, underestimate the facts of the situation. Satan is still desiring us from God. I don't care how long you've been walking in the Lord. Satan still wants you back. Yeah, I want you back. Ooh, ooh, baby, I want you back. Jackson 5, Jackson 5. He wants you back. Don't underestimate the facts of the situation, but don't underestimate the fierceness of Satan. He wants to kill. He wants to steal. He wants to destroy your life. He's tenacious. There were times when I was growing up Got into a lot of fights, and a lot of scuffles, times when I was a little hesitant. But if my big brother Arnold was with me, I don't care how big the crowd was, there was a different level of confidence that I had. You cannot underestimate the fierceness of Satan, but no, you got a big brother a joint heir. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's with us. Doesn't mean be overconfident, but he also didn't give you a spirit of fear. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I'm not going to go challenge Satan but I ain't running from him either. Amen. Jesus is on my side. Well, how do you know? Because I cannot underestimate the faithfulness of the Savior. He said, Peter, I'm praying for you, man. I'm praying for you, Peter. Peter talking. He's like, I'm willing to go to jail. I'm willing to die. And Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Peter. I'm praying for you, Peter. I ain't going to never turn my back. I ain't going to never walk away. Peter, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And when you're recovered, when you come back to yourself, strengthen the brothers. How to avoid the snares, the enticement, and the traps of overconfidence. And if you receive that word, you ought to give God some praise. You ought to give him some praise. I say you ought to give him some praise. 
I say you ought to give him some praise. For he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy of our praise. Listen to me, family, as we are standing. Those of you who are watching, everybody here is accounted for. Saved. If there may be somebody watching today, you've not accepted Jesus in the pardon of your sins. May not have accepted him yet as Lord of your life, and I'm telling you, today is the day to get your house in order, to get your situation worked out. All you have to do is to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. The Bible declares unto us, you will be saved. The work doesn't stop there. You need to get in the church, Bible teaching, Bible preaching. You need to be discipled. You need to get busy for the things of God. But the starting point is you personally accepting him as Lord and Savior of your life. Bow your heads with us as we pray. God, we thank and praise you. We bless you. Even now for the blessings that you bestowed upon us, your people. God, we know that there's someone potentially watching or listening, may have been invited to watch the service today, but really does not know you in the pardon of their sins. We pray, Lord God, that your word has found a good resting place, that the Holy Spirit has broken up the fallow ground of their hearts, that you have placed, inserted, and planted your word there in order that they might be attentive to accepting you as Lord and Savior of their lives. If they're willing to repeat this prayer, Lord, I am a sinner. I do not know you. I have not accepted you as Lord and Savior, but I believe that you're real. I believe that you died on the cross for me to have this opportunity. Your word has convicted me. It's convicted my heart and my mind. And my desire is to do better. God, I'm inviting you into my life. Not to be a part of, but to be the head of. I am confessing with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that God, you've raised him from the dead. And if I can rest rule in your word, that means I've just stepped out of darkness into the light. And angels in heaven are rejoicing even now. If you have prayed that prayer. You are now on the other side of the tracks. We praise God for you. We praise God for what he has done and what he will do in the future. We ask these and all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Let the people of God say amen, amen. Come on and give God a hand, praise. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, listen. If you're watching, you prayed that prayer. We want to hear from you. Reach out to us. Let us know. We'd love to hear how God is operating and moving in your life. If you accepted him as Lord and Savior, you don't have a church home. Listen, we want you to come be a part of us. Amen. Planning on opening up in a couple of weeks, and we'd love to see you here. For all of the people who are watching and or listening, if you'd like to attend service on Resurrection Sunday and going forward, you have to sign up. Please reach out to Sister Lydia Haley Clark. She's on our website, her email address, and she'll get you signed up. 
in order that you can come and attend service with us. Listen, family, we appreciate you. We love you. Mount Sinai, we miss you. We're looking forward to seeing you. If not on the first Sunday in April, at some point in the upcoming months, don't forget, family, in the midst of the alienation, in the midst of the attacks, in the, um, in the midst of the uh, um, separation, don't forget, we're determined in spite of all that. We're going to be strong. We're going to be courageous. Amen. God bless you, family. We'll see you next time. of Pastor and First Lady Thomas, we want to thank you for joining us today. We pray that something was said or done that left you feeling strengthened and inspired throughout your week. And Mount Sinai family, while we're apart, we want to remind you there are three ways to bring our tithes and offerings through the website at mountsinaisanpedro.org. By mail to 225 South Mesa Street by dropping it off at the church. As a reminder, the safest way for drop-off or mail is not with cash, but by check or money order. And at Mount Sinai, our desire is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through conversion, discipleship, and mentorship. If you're joining us today and you're unsaved or unchurched, we pray that online service does not replace your local church. Reach out and connect with us or a church that's close to you where you can learn the Bible and grow in obedience and love for God while exercising your faith. Lastly, family, through 2021, let's remember to be strong and courageous.